It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. Uh, there is a free cover story up on Utah State's win over Colorado State that we're going to talk about in detail on this show if you'd like to get a sample of what's going on over there because it is, uh, I would say, a very, very different website than a lot of websites where you will get sports coverage, I think in a positive way. Uh, we have a good number of people listening who seem to agree, and we thank them as always for their support. Go on over there to www.theagship.com to try it out. Um, I am joined here after we had a, uh, a little bit of a brief, unscheduled uh, reprieve from recording that was uh, really not our own decision. It was more just things kept happening, and there kept being news and games to cover. Uh, but we're back now, so I am joined by co-host Parker Ballantyne, and we've got all sorts of stuff to talk about. Parker, how's it going? Yeah, what's up, Patrick? I am doing great. It's it's great to be back on the uh, on the show. It was yeah. kind of a longer... Um, I think we, I think we missed like a full, full week, which uh, it might not sound like a lot, but man, when, when sports moves uh, as fast as it does, that's, that's a lot. So um, yeah, kind of an unintentional hiatus there, Um, but we're back and ready to go. Plenty of stuff to talk about Uh, more, more stuff than we, than we thought we had right as we were getting our final prep work done for the show. Um, But yeah, we got plenty to talk about. So it's, it's good to be back. Yeah, better uh, better late than never, I suppose, on the, the news that we're going to start this off with. We have lots yeah. of football news to get to, uh, including some transfers in and out, really just the one transfer out, several in, uh, a couple confirmed returners, and the news that I think everybody was kind of waiting on. This dropped a little bit ago. This is sort of the, uh, <laughs> like we were saying, when you miss a week, you kind of miss a lot of stuff, and uh, we wish we hadn't missed a week, but there was just... To carve out an hour was a gargantuan task, and we could not find the time to do it. But we're here now, and we can kick this off by discussing discussing the departure of defensive coordinator Joe Cawthon after one season at the helm in Logan. It was never going to be a long term uh, pairing. It was a it was a hire kind of made out of necessity giving the time of year that Utah State was looking for a defensive coordinator. Usually you don't want to be making that hire in, I think, early March it was. Uh, most guys are hired at that point. Most guys who are looking for jobs are uh, no longer looking for jobs when it gets to be spring football season, and Joe Cawthon was available and familiar with Blake Anderson, and so Utah State brought him in, but this was not going to be like the long-term fix, and it ended up being just a one-year pairing. Uh, Utah State's defense, obviously, we have talked about a million times on this podcast, it, the 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 issues of the 2023 season, uh, of which there were many, and we have talked about probably needing to see something of a of a change there, just for you really can't kind of go forward with, with the way that they ended the the season, especially in the run defense, but really just in general, it was a, it was a really tough end to a year that, that kind of got worse defensively from, from the start to the end. Uh, yeah. And Joe Cawthon, not surprisingly, is uh, is on his way out for it. I don't think he'll be the only one on the defensive staff. I think he is the only one that has been formally uh, publicized, so I will not go into any further detail on that. But they're bringing in a new guy, and usually when you bring in a, a new guy, he brings in new guys that he knows. And yeah. that, I would imagine, will probably be the case here. Not everywhere, not all over the staff, but probably in a couple spots. And yeah. uh, so we'll, we'll start there before we talk about the new guy who has been uh, now reported for the first time 
about five minutes before we hit the record button, which I suppose better to happen before than after so we could get a little bit more context on him. Uh, before we get to that, uh, any thoughts on, on this move? I, I think it's kind of hard to it's it's hard to have an opinion on it beyond everything we've stated here, at least for me personally, because like, I don't know, it feels like it was just kind of necessary. I, I don't know. It's like arguing yeah. with a with a, you know, a brick wall. It's like, it's just there. It, it, it is what it is. You're not really going to move it. The situation was what it was. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, uh, the, as far as Cawthon, uh, leaving, um, it's, it wasn't a surprise to me. I don't think it was ever, to your point, a long-term solution. I think his performance in year one ensured that it would be only a one-year uh, deal. Um, I'm not sure if it was intended to be that short, although I, I would not be entirely surprised if it was because uh, this was a hire that was made uh, under some duress, I think, by by Blake Anderson. He, of course, didn't have an offensive coordinator that was by design, did not have a quarterback's coach that was by design. Um, March is not the time of year where you want to be a head coach with no coordinators. Uh, and so I think he, he kind of made a hurry up hire. It was one that he trusted enough to get the job done, but I think there was probably to some extent, at least a, a pretty mutual understanding that that was not going to be a long term, um, unless, unless Joe Cawthon really came in and, uh, outperformed his expectations, which I don't think he did. I, yeah. I think he, um, uh, I, yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled with his performance coaching throughout the year. I think we were pretty clear on that. Um, so this was, this was not a surprise. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of a foregone conclusion going into that off season. Yeah. Um, if you were, if you are confused as to what this is, just go watch that bowl game or the Boise state game or really uh, pick a game and, and watch it. And you'll, you'll see in pretty short order why this move was, was necessary. There's a lot of talented kids on this defense and it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't working out with the coaching staff that we had under, under Joe Coffin and, yeah. and his guys. Yeah, yeah. The, the the expectations, frankly, weren't that high. Uh, to, right. To have yeah. to, it was not a giant bar, and they were bad. And you can't, you just, you can't be bad. Um, they were bad in a way that didn't really feel like it could be repaired. Uh, you know, as we've as we've talked about, and I think that getting some, just getting some new blood in there was probably the right idea, especially if you're going to try and make a run in, in 2024, which. Uh, it certainly seems like Utah State would prefer to do that. I, I think that that is the plan, yeah. is that Utah State will make something of a run in 2024. Uh, I don't know exactly what that run will be toward, um, if it's just contending for a conference championship, maybe winning a conference championship, maybe contending for a playoff spot. I don't know what the ceiling is. Um, but they want to make a run at at having a much better season than they've had the last two years, and I just don't. I just don't think there was a ton of reason to have confidence that that would ha- happen with the way that the defense looked this year. Um, and it's just one of those things. If you're gonna if you're gonna be competitive at the highest level, you can't have a you can't have a coordinator who who you don't really believe in. And that's not to say that Utah State didn't. I think that they did when they brought him in, but it's hard to have a whole lot of faith after a season like the Utah State's defense just had it was bad Uh, they they were bad they were bad at very basic football things and it was not it was not tenable um so the the new guy here whose name i don't actually know exactly how to say i've not gotten the pronunciation guide quite yet (laughs) regrettably yeah i'm gonna do my best (laughs) i'm glad you're diving into it because i don't know how to say it either and i was just hoping (laughs) you would i'm I'm gonna it's not like 
It's not the worst name no. either. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you take it, and I'll just run with whatever you say. I'm going to go with Nate Dryling. I'm going to go with Dryling. Dryling is, I think, okay. that, that's the way that, that it makes sense to me. Uh, he is most recently, and this is reported first by Pete Thamel of, of ESPN. Usually he's right when he reports these things. This has not been like officially released by the school. I would guess yeah. that'll probably follow pretty soon. Um, yeah. he's usually right. He, does, he doesn't usually run with, with a coordinator hire, especially one at a, at a, you know, a, a G5 program and, and not have it. I, yeah, would, this, I would guess this isn't a clickbait guy. guy. He, yeah. he does. <laughs> I would guess. He does yeah. Good work. yeah. This is, this is not like a, uh, you know, a, a, a clutch point style account. It's just throwing <laughs> names out there and hoping for the best. This is, uh, yeah. usually, usually Pete the Mel can be pretty trustworthy on this sort of thing. Um, and the timing would make sense. AFCA, the big, uh, basically every college coaching com- coach uh, conference, is, I believe, finishing up today. I think today was the last day of it. That's when a lot of hires gets get made. That's when a lot of interviews happen. I think Dryling has been on the list for Utah State, has been probably the top candidate for Utah State really since the job opened, and they have done their, their due diligence. But this is when you will start to see a lot of coaches – you know, coordinators and position coaches get hired is after AFCA, after everybody is gone and met. I think it was in Nashville this year. Um, and uh, and Utah State has its new defensive coordinator, uh, reportedly. <laughs> not, not again, not official yet, but we're going to roll with it. Nate Dryling from New Mexico State. He is a young guy. I don't have his exact age. I believe I saw, I think he's I think he's 33. Yeah, 33, born in 1990. He was a... Uh, player at the D2 level for Pittsburgh State, which is a, a consistently very good D2 program. Um, he has coached, he spent time as a graduate assistant at Kansas. He was safety's coach as, as his alma mater. He was briefly the defensive coordinator at his alma mater. He was a defensive analyst for Oregon under Mario Cristobal. Um, he was the defensive run game coordinator in 2021 for Southeast Missouri State. And then in the last two seasons, he has been with Jerry Kill at New Mexico State. Uh, just for a little bit of background on him, um, I think it's a good hire. <laughs> I've, I've, I still need to. I will in the coming days dive into the 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 film and get a better sense for the nuance of of what he does. But the stats are very encouraging. Uh, the what I have seen from New Mexico State these last two seasons are encouraging, and the stats are very encouraging. He took what was a, a really, really bad, really, really kind of desolate defense when he showed up in 2021 after the 2021 season and took New Mexico State to back-to-back top 60, I believe, scoring defense finishes. Might have been top 50. Back-to-back top 60 SP Plus defensive ranking finishes. Uh, in 2021, before he arrived, they were 127th in total defense. In 2022, his first season at the helm, they were 29th. Um, they took a significant step forward. Obviously, New Mexico State was in the Conference USA Championship game this season and won 10 games and was really, really good, uh, especially on defense. I, I thought that their defense was uh, really good in big moments. That was the main thing that I took from watching them this season was that when the when they needed a play from their defense, their defense usually provided and they were they were really solid at pretty much everything that they, everything that they did. They were fifth in red zone efficiency in in you know scoring percentage allowed in the red zone, which is usually a reflection of a sta- of a sound defense of a defense that's not just selling out to make big plays. Um, they limited explosives well. They were top fifty in sacks and tackles for loss. 
it it seems like a good hire. It, it seems like the kind of hire that you would want to see here. He's an up and coming coach. I know he's really really well thought of as a young coach in this in this coaching industry, um, and he will bring some I think some much needed new ideas to the Utah State defense. Uh, and he has a track record of turning around defenses that maybe just need some more baseline stuff and he needs some more fundamental stuff and that would be i think just what the doctor ordered for this this utah state defense yeah i I agree um this is this is my um like actual five minute uh, reaction to Uh this i have not i i do not know this guy i did watch a lot of new mexico state football this year um they were fun well not, not i mean not a lot because you know i was i was busy with our own aggies but like more probably than than the average not New Mexico State fan, um, just because they're fun and like CUSA is actually like a pretty fun conference if you're, uh-huh. um, you know, if you're looking for something outside of the SEC to watch, which I'm like desperately doing every week during football season. I think it's so fun, um, but yeah, I think your your point about him, uh, his defense being able to make big plays when when they need to, uh, is is going to be a very very welcome change I think for this defense. Um, that's something that I think we've seen with Utah State in the past. I think there was something um, that at least, I, you know, this isn't something I could really back up, but I think it's something a lot of fans would would at least remember it this way. And maybe we're all remembering it wrong, but it feels like there were times under Coach Bonda more recently and then even going back into kind of the Dave Aranda and Todd Orlando years where your defense would almost wear it as like a badge of honor when they were given bad field position. Like they, they love to go out there in their own red zone and just stop, you know, stop a team or force a field goal um, in a, in a touchdown situation that that is like the type of uh, just gritty defense, a big play defense that I think we, we haven't had in a while uh, a little bit under Bonda, like I said, not, not too, uh, too far back, but that is something that will be really fun. Just having big play defense that, that can make big stops when they need to, uh, they can just kind of get up and bring the energy when they need to. That's going to be that's going to be a very welcome thing um, in Logan. I think it's something we've had in the past, and uh, we're definitely missing this this past year. I would I would say I don't think that anyone would would disagree that the the defense we had last year was missing some plays. Yeah, I I don't remember exactly which New Mexico State game it was. I think it might have been the Western Kentucky game, maybe uh, there was, there was a game this season that they closed out with their, their defense on the field twice in like the last six minutes where it, it got to be, I think plus territory, the defense needed to needed to get off the field and it got back to back fourth down stops. Um, and that's anecdotal, but that is the kind of thing that Utah state is looking for is not necessarily, yeah, yeah. you don't need to be the number one defense in America. You need to get off the field. <laughs> you need to, you need to find yeah, ways to get yeah. off the field. And something that I really like in, in sifting through the, the profile for these guys this year is that they did it while not really forcing all that many turnovers. They forced 13 turnovers in 15 games. Um, and you know, you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, turn down turnovers if you can get them it's not like oh you know we we don't want them we we, we don't want to have the ball back immediately yeah, but yeah. they really didn't need them they had a top 50 scoring defense despite not really forcing all that many turnovers less than one per game um they they do well to create havoc generally uh, i think the front seven was a little bit better at it than the defensive backfield but that's that's fine um like I said, top 50 for tackles for loss and, and sacks. And, and I think that what 
really stands out to me is just is being solid, is getting off the field in the red zone, getting off the field on third and fourth down, um, stepping up with, with timely defense when you need timely defense, and a, a unit that really didn't have a ton of clear weaknesses within its rotation. I, I, I posted this, uh, this stat on the Agship Twitter account. Um, in 2023, and this is again, we've said it, we've said it before on this show. PFF is far from from gospel when it comes to like stats. It is it is made up. It is their own <laughs> it is their own system, and it is not in any way definitive. Um, but in the the PFF defensive grades, uh, New Mexico State had two players uh, over 150 snaps in 2023 who finished with a grade under 60, which is about average, and 18 with the the same snap requirement uh, up over 60, which tells me that they were pretty well coached. It, it tells me that guys generally knew what they were doing and were in the right places. Um, New Mexico State in 15 games had fewer missed tackles on the season than Utah State did in 13 games, which I would imagine is music to everyone's ears. I think this is a move to get a smart young coach who has good ideas and, and can be, you know, can be creative, can draw stuff up. I thought they had really good blitz packages every time I saw them this season. I was always impressed with their blitz packages. I was impressed with their performance on passing downs. But I think more than anything, this is getting a, a young guy who knows how to just build a solid, reliable defense. And that that sounds exactly like what I would have I would have said is the profile for what you want for this job is you want a guy who can bring energy you want a guy who can bring some new ideas but more than anything you want a guy who just can coach a good defense just a good regular defense nothing weird yeah. nothing nothing crazy you don't need to force 40 turnovers you don't need to you know have guys standing on their heads just get off the field and make tackles and do things generally the right way and and I think that that is absolutely what Utah State is getting here with a, a guy, like I said, who is considered a, a pretty strong up-and-comer in the coaching ranks. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Solid, solid guy. Um, like you said, it doesn't need to be flashy. The offense on this team is going to be plenty of flashy. Let me tell you, um, the defense doesn't need to be. We're we're just fine with a, with a good solid defense. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, if you're if you're you know. If you're preventing big plays on defense, if you're getting some some havoc plays, getting sacks, getting tackles for loss, if you're developing and recruiting guys at a high level, which he has done, I would say both of, New Mexico State is not exactly a uh, a privileged recruiter, <laughs> I would say, yeah. in that in that landscape. He has been he has coached at jobs that are in a little bit better of a place. Obviously, like I said, he was an analyst briefly at at Oregon and helped to do some of the recruiting work there, some of the scouting work there. Um, but this is a guy who has familiarity with the the transfer portal. New Mexico State did really well in the transfer portal these last two years on defense especially, has familiarity with the JUCO ranks as a recruiter, which is always a good you know, always a good thing for Utah State, um, and knows how to develop those guys. And that's, you know, again, checks the box. That's what you want. That's that's I think what you were looking for in Utah State goes in goes and gets him it's not the uh the the you know the biggest splashiest name that probably would have been danny gonzalez who i think is going to get uh probably a p5 defensive coordinating job i i don't i don't think that was really a a super realistic possibility from what i have gathered but of the of the realistic possibilities i think that this is one that utah state fans can be excited about uh, he's he's a good ball coach <laughs> and that's i think what they needed more than anything else 
Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on here. Uh, of the uh, the the players transferring out, I believe there's only one uh, big name that has been added to that list since we last recorded. The portal closed a couple days ago. Um, for now, it'll open back up in the spring, but for now, the portal is closed, and it seems like the transfers out are just about done. And Utah State got out of it almost completely unscathed. Uh, lost yeah, Devin Dye on defense. Lost uh, one starter here on offense, and it's. Uh, I would say if you've listened to the podcast, you probably know that we're not uh, terribly, terribly worried about this one. Uh, Ralph Frias, uh, offensive tackle, yeah. is moving on. I I don't think that this is just like oh he's you know he, he wants to wants to see what NIL offers are on the table. I I think Utah State probably. Uh, has some other guys <laughs> at, at tackle who were more likely to play tackle this this upcoming season than Ralph yeah. Frias. He, yeah. he struggled. He struggled with injuries. He struggled with just quickness uh, off the edge. I don't. I don't think it was really going to. I don't think it was de- going going to develop in a way where he would be on the field as much as he wants to be in what will be his last season of college football. I think he's going to be looking for playing time somewhere else, and I don't think he would have gotten a ton of it at Utah State. It's they're fine. This is you're losing a starter in name only here because I just don't think he would have been a starter in 2024. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is this is a guy that is probably probably the player that we were hardest on throughout the year outside of at least, uh, you know, kind of the the skill positions. And he's definitely the one that we came uh, the closest to just just calling out uh, and and kind of. I think I talking did, about about his poor performance. We try yeah. to avoid that. Um, yeah, I think I did it once in an article. I think I outright said it once. I try not again. I try not to yeah, do that with we, players because like I, there's so much to talk about on a football field that you don't really need to be singling out exactly. eighteen to twenty three yeah. year olds all that often. But it was it was <laughs> yeah. it was noticeable enough that it would be he, malpractice not to uh, mention. He it forced our point. hand, man. Yeah. Like, there was just not not much we could do. And again, like he's. Uh, he'll probably be fine wherever he goes. He's got a big body and he's been, you know, he's a power five transfer coming in. So uh, just for whatever reason, wasn't working, wish him the best wherever he lands. But yeah. I can't say I was too heartbroken about this one. Uh, this one, this one felt mutual. Uh, I don't think he, I think he knew he wasn't going to play here. Um, and I, I don't know that um, <laughs> I don't know that Cooper and, and McKay were, were too thrilled if he would have, state i mean they were they were tired of getting tackled and sacked so yeah um this is mutual i think this is probably best for all parties like you said losing a losing a starter in name only he was not going to start next year that that was uh yeah he, he just wasn't good for us this year and that's yeah. fine yep just didn't uh it, it didn't quite work out the way that they wanted it to always a, a pretty good reflection that a uh, a departure is amicable when the position coach of that player uh posts something to the effect of like would be a great guy to have in your room he's he's you know a great player somebody should pick him up like it's i don't think that this is yeah i don't think I, that this was like a nasty split on either side i think that I think that this is a, uh, a a two adults having an adult conversation sort of deal. Yeah. If, if I remember right, there was even like uh, something on that tweet saying like, hey, like feel free to call. Like if you're a coach and you're looking at this guy's film and you have questions, like don't hesitate to give me a call kind of thing, which is cool. Mm. Um, it, it, I, that's how I remember it. That might be wrong, but I feel like I remember that uh, I think you're right. happening. I, I, yeah. I remember seeing it and thinking I've never seen that before, which is why I noticed. But yeah, pretty amicable. It's it's not. This is not a big 
not a big move. Yeah, I think there was something to the to a similar effect from I believe Nick Perimsky with uh, Cooper Jones, uh, former of course former starting Ooh, returner, yeah. guy yeah. who played a lot on on Perimsky's uh, special teams unit. Um, yeah, that might be what I'm thinking of, but yeah, there, I, I think both of them did it. That uh, I always like when coaches do that. Um, I do too. That's yeah. usually usually a reflection that there's no no hard feelings. Just it's a it's a you know. It's a playing time business. If you're not on the field, it's going to be pretty hard to accomplish yeah. much of anything as a college football player. And if you're running out of time and, and eligibility, you're going to want to find the field somewhere. And uh, coaches, you know, yeah. if it's a if it's a case of a guy just looking to get on the field somewhere and he's not likely to do it there, coaches are usually pretty pretty happy to to help him out and, and yeah. find a find a good landing spot. And I would guess that he will find one. Um, yeah, and it certainly certainly speaks to the culture of, of yeah. this team. I think, which is in a really really good place, which is something we've talked about throughout the year. Um, this this is clearly a team that is getting along behind closed doors. Uh, there's you know, it's not like you've been seeing the cracks start to form and guys are like flowing out of the, out of the program. Like this is a team that's playing for each other. And, and that is even, even true in the transfer portal. So I, I, I think if nothing else, you can look at this and, and be really stoked about the culture that we had last year and, and will have next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, usually just in general, as a rule of thumb, it's better when players and coaches like each other. That is good. Yeah. That's good. That's a good step in the right direction for a football team and its culture and its ability to win football games. It usually helps when everybody likes each other. Um, confirmed returners. We've got two more. I don't think either is like a, a giant surprise, but still good to add to the board for Utah State. Robert Briggs Jr. Uh, is officially returning, making it all three of the, the three-headed monster in the backfield at halfback will be back in 2024 for Utah State. I would assume one of the better, you know, I've not seen exactly what the rest of the landscape looks like, but I would assume from watching those three play, uh, Davon Booth, Roswell Faison, and Robert Briggs, probably one of the best backfields in, in the G5 going into 2024. That is, that's three good running backs. That's 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 a really, really oh, yeah. nice group. Yeah. And to keep those guys intact for another year is a big win. Um, and then Blaine Spires at defensive end announced that he will be returning as well. Uh, I, th I thought he had a really nice season. We talked about him a couple times positively throughout the year. He didn't have a huge amount of playing time. He had some injury stuff. It took a little while to get him into the starting lineup. He was in and out of the starting lineup. The defensive end rotation was, was a couple guys deep, and, and so he was a little bit buried sometimes, but I, I thought when he was on the field, he was good. I, I think that he is definitely a, a, a nice piece to have. I don't know that he's like a superstar, but he, he plays well. He's in the right place. He knows what to do. He's he's strong. He tackles well. Um, not really a liability in any part of the defense. It's, it's a good guy to have. It's a good guy to have at defensive end, and I think Utah State is uh, obviously pretty happy to have him back as well. Yeah, I, I think these are both pretty big. I think the Robert Briggs Jr. one is is – um, obviously like the, the bigger move here or the, the bigger, uh, I, I don't even know what, what to call it. It's not a, you know, just committing to stay, I guess the, the transfer portal is making me, uh, <laughs> come up with, you know, expand my vocabulary more than yeah. I want to. The larger uh, retention. Robert, How's that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, Robert Briggs is a player where he he's great on his own. Uh, even just, just picking him up, uh, in a vacuum is big. He's a great, great running back. Um, but as, as one of three is phenomenal, uh, that three headed dragon that we have in the backfield is very, very good. Keeping that intact is, is going to be really big. Um, yeah, like you said, probably one of the 
better running back rooms in the in the conference certainly and, and potentially the entire G five. Uh, that that's a big that that that's big for Utah State to to keep that intact. And then Blaine Spires, like you mentioned, we didn't have a lot of bad things to say about him throughout the year. It was uh, mostly positive. Um, solid solid returner there, I think too. This is uh, like we've said, the transfer portal has been very very kind to Utah State. We, we're keeping the pieces we need. Uh, we're getting rid of a couple guys that that are going to be better off on their new teams, and we'll be better off without them. Yeah. And and we've brought in a lot of guys, and so you know that this is part of it, keeping guys in the program, and, and these are two big ones that uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're sticking around. Yep, yep. I uh, w- with Briggs, my last thought, and then we'll talk about some of the recent uh, commitments in the transfer yeah. portal, of which there are several. Somehow, I don't know how they yeah. still have roster spots, but they do. <laughs> yeah. uh, they keep on. Yeah. They just keep on adding guys. Um, on on Briggs, I think it would be really it would be really interesting and probably advisable if Utah State looked into spending a lot of this offseason developing him as a as a as a pass catcher out of the backfield. I, I think that that is a role that, for as good as as those three backs were uh, this season, that's a role that none of the three were really ever super comfortable filling. They were capable. They were capable as pass catchers. I think that all three of them did at least a little bit of it. Um, yeah. but Briggs being the, the smallest of the three, uh, I, I think that that is something that you've seen him have the ability to do. He had the, he had the one, I don't, I think it was maybe the, uh, I don't remember which game it was. It might've been the Boise state game. It was either Boise state or Fresno state. He had the long, uh, reception that ended up getting called back for an offensive line penalty. might've been on the friend we were just talking about, but, um, <laughs> I think it probably was, might've been, um, but, a good he, chance. but he was wide open and it was a really, really nice catch. I would like to see more of that. And I know that that's not a huge part of, of Blake Anderson's offense and it's not going to become like, they're not going to throw the ball to the running back 45 times. It's just not what they do, but I think if you're looking for a niche that he can fill, probably better than the other two, um, you've you've kind of you've kind of got the the downhill, um, you know, not even not even really power back wouldn't be fair to say because I think that Davon Booth is probably more dynamic than just to be qualified as a power back. I don't think that would be fair. Uh, you have him. You have the downhill speed guy. You have the very very patient. Um, elusive Rasul Faison, both of whom yeah. have the the size and the the you know physicality that they can handle a pretty large percentage of of the the carries, and they got it this year. I think Briggs would fit really really well as a as a not even just like not necessarily just as a pass game specialist because I think he should run the ball. I think he should get touches. He's a good running back, but to add that that threat into the backfield to have legitimately at any time five guys on the field who can and and will beat you down the field would be just another another thing to add into an already very dangerous offense and i think that that's a role he could fill really well i'm I'm honestly i'm kind of surprised that they didn't do more of that this year but i think if you're looking for a focus for him in the offseason that would make a ton of sense I, I think it would be a really nice fit yeah yeah i would agree with that i think that would be a really good use of, of him and uh, get all three guys probably more opportunities to to settle into a, a niche and really uh, really excel at what they do. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I'll say it's hard to cover like a you know a regular sized running back coming out of the backfield. If you're a linebacker, you're probably not even going to see five foot six Robert Briggs coming out of the backfield. Yeah, <laughs> he can yeah. kind of hide behind the line a little bit. Um, 
good to have. Nice, nice, nice thing to have if Utah State wants to wants to go down that avenue. Certainly, I think, yeah. I think that they could. Um, okay, transfer additions here. Uh, we will uh, we'll roll through these. I have a, a couple more thoughts. There are obviously a couple guys here that that stand out a little bit more uh, because they're they're either bigger names or they have bigger stats coming in. Uh, one specifically I'm looking at at a pretty important position that has <laughs> generated quite a bit of discourse, and we'll talk about him. <laughs> yeah, um, I wonder who that could be. But uh, we'll start here with, I think, honestly, in this transfer class, class off the, the top of my head, um, I might just be forgetting somebody. I think Sean Dolak, the linebacker from Buffalo, might be my favorite addition for Utah State. Um, uh, just of the portal guys, not including JUCO guys or anything like that, because there are some JUCO guys I really like. And that's not to say I don't like some of the portal guys. I do. But this is he, – he's he's so good. <laughs> Sean Dolak is so good. I'm surprised that he didn't land with a Power 5 school. Um, he's really, really good. He was, for, for context – uh, multi-year starter at Buffalo. He was the number two leading tackler in America in 2022. I think he had 147 tackles. Uh, didn't play a ton in 2023 because he had a leg injury in week four that sidelined him for the rest of the year, but he is extremely experienced. He's played a ton of college football, and he is exactly what Utah State was really looking for, I think, at linebacker, which is just a guy who can, like a sponge, just absorb tackles, who can just rack up Every game you're looking at him, he's got 11, 12, 13 tackles. MJ Tafisi did some of that this year and filled that role well. Dolak cuts kind of a different profile. He's 6'1", 225, so he's a, he's a little bit smaller, but he's really quick. Um, extremely strong tackler, obviously, as you would imagine from 147 tackles in the season. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... and Really good in coverage too. Much better than most tackling specialist linebackers. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really qualify him as that, um, because he is. He's really well rounded. Very very good athlete. Excellent instincts. Has been extremely well coached. He. This is just a good guy to have on your defense. He's not necessarily going to be. I don't think racking up ten sacks and twenty five tackles for loss. Although he had like sixteen and a half tackles for loss in twenty twenty two. So he can make big plays. But he's just a guy who will be in the right place to make plays and a guy who knows how to defend anything that you throw at him. Um, versatile defender. I, I think that he is an immediate impact guy uh, from the transfer portal, an instant starter, I think, no question about it, and something that I think Utah State really kind of needed at, at linebacker with losing to Fisi. They'll have Max Alford back, but I think that Dolak is exactly what you look for at linebacker to play alongside him to play alongside continuing develop the continuing developing guys of like Logan Peely, uh, Cole Joyce. I know that they're bringing in Will Schaffer from Arizona State. It seems like Anthony Switzer is maybe going to stay at linebacker. I'm curious to see what that position looks like in this new defense. But Dolak yeah. is, is yeah, day same. one day one starter. You don't bring this guy in if he's not going to be a day one starter. He is absolutely deserving of, of that spot. He's really good. He's really, really, really good. Yeah, I'm stoked about this guy. He he does feel like a like a day one starter. Uh, you know, he's he's somebody you're bringing into play. Um, you are losing to Feci. That's probably the biggest uh, linebacker hit that you're taking. But yeah. you are, uh, you know, between this guy and getting Max Alford back from injury, who we we were really really high on for like one play this year, which yeah. which absolutely sucked. He was. I mean, he was, uh, I think it was the first game. Uh, first first was, game. It was first the first play, play from scrimmage. Yeah. Um, went down and, and did not return um i'm i'm still just between the coaching staff we talked about briefly uh, at, at the top 
Um, and you know, we'll, we'll get into that more as we actually get a chance to Google the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the players were bringing in, I, I'm just stoked. And then of course the guys were keeping too. Uh, Mr. Ike Larson, the, the one that uh, we, we don't talk about him a lot on the show. So you know, <laughs> you, yeah, there's a good chance you've never heard of Ike uh-huh. Larson uh, if you're listening to the show. But um, you're just you're stoked about what they can do on, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and Sean Dolak is going to be a big part of that. He's going to bring in a lot of a lot of experience that um, I don't know that he's necessarily comparable to Tafisi. I don't know that he's you know, Tafisi is a really, really good player. Yeah. Um, but at least just from an experience perspective, uh, to to lose a guy like Tafisi and be able to backfill, you know, a couple of years of really high level football um, with Sean Dolak is is that that's good. I mean, that's 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 what you want to do is as, especially as you mentioned, you're you're trying to train some of these younger guys up. Max Alford's played one play at linebacker, yeah. um, putting him next to Sean Dolak in practice and games and film like that. That's huge. So that's I'm, a good guy I'm to learn from. This guy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean huge. that's that's the thing is like Alford was, I, I think it's it's not necessarily forgotten because I think Utah State fans remember how good he was in, in yeah. 2022 stepping in, uh, when when Tafiti was at times injured, um, that was you know as you might remember his first year playing linebacker he was a running back in in high school and they they transferred him over to to the defensive side of the ball that was his first year doing it and I think he was one of the best when he was on the field he was one of the best freshman defenders in the conference he's good and he's going to get better from from spending time around this guy I I think that it's it's a really it's a really good pickup on that front as well I think for like a if you're looking for a just a physical profile or a a guy to compare him to 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 compare Dolak to as as you know recent memory at, at, at Utah State I think that the easy one is probably Justin Rice physically yeah, it's, it's I was almost the same thing. almost yeah. identical Justin Rice is 6'2 225 this Dolak is 6'1 225 both were prolific tacklers at you know at a different G5 school before yeah. going over to Utah State Justin Rice had 124 tackles in 2021 and 13.5 tackles for loss Utah State I think would uh would take that and not ask twice <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I don't think yeah. Utah State would uh would look that gift horse in the mouth that they could find another Justin Rice that would be that would be pretty good yeah no I I, I was thinking the same thing I think that that comp is really really good um not only in kind of the physicality and the, and the type of player they are but just from like the role too I mean Justin Rice came in and was a, was a day one uh playmaker he was a day one uh starter basically so I think yeah. you're, you could safely expect the same thing from from uh Sean Dolak here kind of a, a Justin Rice 2.0 and that would uh that wouldn't disappoint many people in Cash Valley I'll tell you that no it would not um also on the uh on the defensive side DJ Graham the second cornerback from Oklahoma is heading over to Utah State yep. uh moving back to corner he was I believe playing at wide receiver briefly for Oklahoma wanted to move back to corner Utah State will give him the chance to do that. Um, decent amount of experience. Honestly, you don't usually, when you're adding transfers from uh, from a P5 school, you don't usually get guys who have played a ton of snaps just because they either stay put or they go to another P5 school. Um, Graham has played a, a, a good amount of football at, at this point. He's going to be a senior this upcoming year. I think he might have two years of eligibility if memory serves. I'm ready for senior to mean senior again here at some point. But um, <laughs> until yeah. until yeah. then, I believe he's one of those seniors who has two years of eligibility uh, because of the, the COVID eligibility year. Um, pretty highly touted recruit. I thought played pretty well at Oklahoma when he was on the field at cornerback. Obviously, you have 
probably at this point seen the the clip of the interception that he made against Nebraska a couple years ago. Even just me saying that, you probably remember it. It was the one-handed catch. That was him. He did that. That was that was that was DJ Graham. Uh, he did do other things at Oklahoma as well, but that was the one that I think most people probably know him for. Uh, good size at six foot two oh three. I, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see just exactly what this cornerback room will look like. Cause there's a lot of guys in there. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of dudes at cornerback. Obviously they're losing Mike on but I think for the most part, the rest of the room is going to be intact. Like Avante Dickerson, I think is back. JD drew, I think is back. I'm interested to see where he, where Graham slots in. Cause I do think that he's the kind of guy who can make uh, again, an immediate impact. I don't know that I would say, you know, sure thing, day one starter, but he, he could be, you know, he started at Oklahoma. He was, he was a starter at the same position for, for, you know, a, basically an entire season. I think in 2022 at, at Oklahoma, that's pretty good experience to, to bring in. Um, another good pickup. I, I, I like, I really like uh, the way that Utah State has navigated the portal this year where they're getting guys who, you know, it's it's a combination of guys who have experience, guys who have the the really attractive physical traits. You know, guys who who can who can project into larger roles who maybe haven't filled them yet. Um, but then also guys who have played roles, who have, who have taken those spots. You you see that at the you know from the G five level in a lot of these these additions recently, especially with with guys like Dolak and and. Uh, Mikhail Williams, the defensive tackle from Kent State. There were a couple of those, but then you also have guys who this is, you know, like I said, kind of a rarity at this level. Guys who have played big snaps at at P five schools, and not even just at P five schools. Oklahoma is like you know a, a power. That's that's a pretty yeah. good school to play <laughs> yeah. at. That's a, if you're going to play sure. at a P five school. That's a pretty good one to have uh, to have logged significant yeah. minutes for. Um, good player. Good 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 pickup and, and, you know, yeah, another one for, for the defense, the defense has, has so many new guys coming in to what was already, I think a, a pretty talented group. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, I, like you said, I'm curious to see what that quarterback room looks like. I'm really curious to see what the whole, the whole defense looks like. Um, I really don't know what that is going to look like. You bring in a lot of new guys, new coach, uh, who will bring in his own staff. Um, I mean, we know, we know the big guys, you know, you know, Switz and we know, uh, Larson, these guys, Dolak and Graham. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like, um, but I do know there's talent there. there. There's a ton of talent. There's a lot of athleticism. Um, so I, I am stoked. I'm curious to see how that, that cornerback room shakes out, but it's it's a good problem to have when you have just yeah. so many guys uh, with a lot of experience and a lot of talent. Yeah, it's a whole lot better than the alternative. That's for sure. It, it is, you would, especially with a new defensive coordinator coming in, you would much rather give that guy as many good, capable options to choose from to, to pick his rotation as possible. Uh, to, to go in with just, just here's here's a mass of guys, figure out who fits. And that is, that's a good approach. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to do it. It's better to have more guys than it is to have less guys. Um, also, yeah, that's always uh, true. also on the defensive additions two linemen, um, Miguel Jackson, defensive tackle, uh, rising senior from Charlotte and Bryce cage. Who's kind of a tweener, six, four, two defensive lineman from Texas state. Uh, neither played like huge snaps, uh, this, this past season, both played both, both logged plenty of minutes and, and were, rotational guys and, and solid contributors. Um, I, I think the biggest thing you're getting here is again, that, that kind of athletic upside that, that, that size, uh, Jackson is six two two ninety six and, and has 
the you know the frame that you would want <laughs> at, at defensive tackle adding more just heft to that room and then cage I'm really interested to see where they plug him in because at 6'4 255 you can kind of go either way you could bulk him up a little bit and get an interior pass rusher or you can keep him around that range and have a nice big defensive end as more of a run stopper which is I think a role that he would fit well and a role that he has played well before I like them both I, I like both additions not going to talk about either of them in a ton of detail because I just don't have a ton of thoughts but I, the, it's more of the same at the defensive line where you're just bringing in bodies, bringing in guys who you think can be, you know, more than maybe they were at their last school uh, with more opportunities and seeing what you have. Just just bring in a big gift box of, of guys who can yeah. who can compete athletically yeah. at this level and see which ones of them to, you know, rise to that occasion and take on big minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot on either of these guys, you know, uh, or yeah, I don't have a whole lot uh, to add. Um, on top of that, other than just there's it's depth is never a bad thing. This is a violent game. It's a, it's a physical game. So anytime you're bringing in guys that um, are not like an apparent obvious dud, I mean, these guys have gotten a lot of playing time. They're, they're clearly good athletes. Um, not, not really uh, nothing to turn your nose up at there. We were already solid at a lot of these positions, not necessarily on the line. Um but you're bringing in some extra depth and you're bringing in, you know, that's, that's going to be something we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, depth is never a bad thing. Depth is, is definitely your friend um, when you're talking about division one football, it's a very physical game. Um, I don't know how some of these transfers are going to look, um, but it's, it generally doesn't hurt to, to have bodies there and, and guys that have played in, uh, in significant snaps at, at decent schools at, you know, power five or G five schools. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I will say major, uh, positive in Bryce Cage's favor is that his nickname apparently is Butch. Love when a guy's nickname is just another regular first name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, Butch is just like the just an awesome football name. Yeah. Like if you're Butch Cage you're, is such a yeah, good the, defensive end name. That's, that's awesome. That's, Butch Cage. That's an absolute defensive name. Yeah, defensive end name. Like yeah, Butch Cage. That's um, you're either like Robin Trains or you're yeah. second quarterbacks. Like yeah. You have really you're limited. And Robin Trains, I don't think is lucrative as it used to be. So no. uh, you better learn to. Uh, <laughs> Better learn to sack quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's a that's an old timey boxer name. Butch Wait, where, where's he from? Where, where's Te- where's this guy from? He, he was at Texas State most recently. Um, Do we know where he was? Like, grew let, up? Yeah, let, I bet he was Texas. Let Sounds me like he's... let me look. He also um, played at Southeastern Louisiana. Um, he's from Baton Rouge. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah there he is. <laughs> that makes sense. Love it. Okay, love yeah. it. This is awesome. I'm 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 sold on this guy. Yeah. I, yeah, we we love. I'm super sold. We love Butch Cage. Butch, Butch Cage go, is a great Butch. name. That, that's really yeah. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> it's welcome to the Butch Cage. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Last one here. We have buried the lead, but that is because yep. I think that we're probably gonna have a little bit more to say about this guy. Uh, at quarterback, kind of a surprise. Didn't think there were gonna be any more quarterbacks joining a, a, a roster that already has several scholarship quarterbacks. I think they were up to four with the addition of Iowa's Spencer Petrus, but uh, Bryson Barnes from Utah <laughs> is staying in the state. Uh, obviously started 10 games at Utah this season, uh, led them to a uh, kind of his signature win was the the game against USC where I, I thought he played his, you know, his best game of the season and, and really delivered down the stretch for them to win that game. Um, he had kind of an up and down year. I don't really know how much I would blame that on him. It doesn't seem like Utah was for some reason, especially well prepared to handle cam rising being out for the entire season. I don't, it 
kind of, I don't know how that caught you by surprise, <laughs> but it did. And so I don't know that any of the backup quarterbacks were were in, put into a, a great spot within that offense, but Bryson Barnes had some pretty good moments for Utah this season, um, had some less good moments. I don't know exactly what his role is going to be here. I, I don't know if this is a, I don't think that it's like a, you know, promised the starting job, come in and, and immediately take over day one, but he has, you know, started games before at the, at the P5 level and, and played pretty competent football. I, I think that he has managed a game pretty well. He's a good runner. Um, I, I'm curious about this one. I, I think that, I think that it may be, and this is not me, this is just purely, uh, hypothesizing here based on how these things usually work <laughs> and how, you know, you can kind of read between the lines with some additions. It does make me worried a, a little bit about the severity of Cooper Lagaz's shoulder injury, um, and how how much that will impact him into spring and and beyond, and and just the recovery process on that. Because I think that this is very much a guy you bring in if you're a little bit worried that your starting quarterback's uh, injury is going to be a, a problem. Um, it is going to be not necessarily a problem for holding him out, but a problem for like impacting the way that he plays. And obviously I hope that's not the case. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I think that yeah. that would be, that would be a shame if, if Cooper Laga gets to the, you know, gets to the place that it seems like he was, he was, heading towards for several years gets there turns the corner and then just isn't ever really the same because of an injury that would be just just awful and I would I would hate it for him I hope that that's not the case but I I think that the there was a, there was a decent amount of uh, of pushback uh, on this edition and yeah, I I, yeah. I think that I understand being defensive of of Cooper. I get it. I totally, totally get it. (laughs) I will say everybody complained about this in 2022 when Logan Bonner was clearly not the same guy and they like, you know, Blake Anderson didn't pull the trigger and, 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 you know, left him in there for, for four or five games before going to Cooper. It was you're, this is him learning from that. <laughs> this is this, he's doing the thing that you yeah, wanted him to do. Yeah, he's adding depth. So. He's adding depth, capable, workable depth in case Cooper Lagaz's injury is is a longer term deal, and in case he's yeah. not able to do what he did in 2023. It's never bad to have another starting starting caliber quarterback in your room. Utah State has four guys at quarterback right now who has who have started numerous games as a college quarterback it's good to have yeah. it's good depth if you can get all four of those guys in the room more power to you that's good yeah i i totally agree i mean that, that's what i was kind of hinting at just a second ago i mean depth is good we we um i i understand loving cooper i love cooper i i am defensive of cooper in a sense that like if someone were to hop on hop online and say that cooper is a bad football player i'm gonna disagree with you you're, you're wrong he's a great football player um, I'm not defensive of him in, in a sense that I want him to be like the only quarterback in the room. That that's that's insane. Um, Utah State has won a bowl game with a third string quarterback two years in a row now, or two two out of the past three years. Um, sorry, we lost we we lost this last bowl game. Man, I'm just <laughs> I wanted to win that bowl game, but we have gone into bowl games with third string quarterbacks. Like that is just what happens, man. I. I kind of I, I kind of butchered that, but like the the point I'm making is there is not ever a bad time to have have depth at the quarterback position. Um, Bryson Barnes does that. I I don't think 
I don't know. I, this is, it was kind of a funny, like, it was funny to just kind of read this. Like, I don't, I don't super understand it on either side. Um, but I'm like excited, I, I think. And then this is, we saw it with Levi Williams. Like, I, I don't think Blake Anderson, it's physically impossible for him to pass on a quarterback. Like, if he has a quarterback that he can bring in, he's going to do it. Um, I scratched my head a little bit when he brought in Levi. I thought we were, were pretty deep and we ended up needing Levi and I love Levi. Like that was great. So um, I, I'm just not going to complain about having more quarterbacks. I think, and, and here's <clears throat> my favorite thing about Bryson Barnes is during the Oregon game, when whatever channel that game was being televised on threw up a stat that he ra- grew up raising 12,000 <laughs> pigs and then had the audacity to say that it was the most in FBS which I have no idea that they verify. Like I have no idea how, how could they you? verified that. I don't even <laughs> think they could verify that. Like that's just objectively not possible to verify unless yeah. you're going through like the uh, yeah, the going. holdings of every single family <laughs> and making sure they don't own a farm with more than twelve thousand pigs. That was definitely uh, they they were guessing. Um, good chance it's true yeah that's a um, lot of pigs that's that's, that's more that's certainly pigs. more pigs than i've raised i didn't raise yes. any pigs he's got me beat yeah, by twelve thousand. So he, he's got me and you beat <laughs> combined by twelve thousand. so dude's got a lot of pigs most in fbs man that's a bold statement i have no idea um but i mean it does it does kind of show he is a blue collar guy i do think his culture fits in he, he's uh you know we all we all know the 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 bryson barnes story and we're gonna have it told a lot more once football season hits so i'm not gonna get into that but uh, he is just a small town Utah kid that bet on himself, went to the top team in the state, um, ended up getting more playing time than probably anybody thought he would. Yeah. Um, it's a cool story, if nothing else. He clearly, I, I don't know that he wants to play football outside of the state of Utah. He's a small town Utah kid. He's he's just here to stay. Um, I I don't uh, I don't know what that looks like. I really have no idea. Um, I would assume Cooper is still probably the starter. I don't know what two, three, four looks like. And I, I my confidence levels low uh, yeah. on, on number one as well. So I don't know what it looks like, but I'm excited to have him. I, I don't see how this could be a negative. Um, there's always a chance that um, there's, there's a chemistry issue, but I think the odds of this being a negative are, are super, super low. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I, I like it. I like the move. Yeah, you guys have been complaining about a lack of Salt Lake City media covering Utah State. Here you go. They're going to write 400 stories about Bryson Barnes this year. You, you're welcome. You got it. You got what, <laughs> yeah. you, got what you wanted. That's the yeah, only. That's is... the only story they're going to write all season is just about whatever the the Bryson Barnes update of the week is going to be. Whatever he's, yeah, whatever that might he's be, doing. Um, that might be worse. That's what the Ag ship is for. Just subscribe <laughs> to the Ag ship. That's. Oh uh, it's not their. It's not the individual media members' fault. They don't get to. They. I'll, I'll yeah. say that they don't get to make that call. That is not up to yeah. them. The stories that they have to write about Utah State. It's yeah. not their fault. And, um, and and speaking of media, I this is no, I have no authority to do this, but. I, I'm just going to go right out and say that I'll promise right now that the ag ship will never lie about the amount of pigs that a person has. No, uh, I, I would, grew up raising. We, I would, we, lose, would ne- we would never, I would lose sleep trying to confirm that <laughs> if I was doing we, that. I also, yeah, wouldn't, we, we I will, also wouldn't do that in a million years, but <laughs> no, we, we will never pre- pretend to count the amount of pigs that every FBS football player grew up raising. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's not our, our gig here. That's yeah. not what we do. Uh, we're going to keep it above board. No assumptions <laughs> on the amount of livestock that anybody has. 
Uh, that's not what you get from the action. It's yeah. not what we do here. No. Yeah, and, and if we did, you better believe it would be right. The number would be correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would not miss on the number. It would be right. Yeah. Um, I'm going out there and counting by hand. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna need absolutely. to see I'm gonna need to see the pigs. I'm gonna need to see all twelve thousand of them and like count them like right yeah. label them with a sharpie so I know I don't like double count them and mm. I'm out there like counting all of them. Yeah, we we don't mess around when it comes to counting pigs out here yeah they're doing the thing where they're bringing in the the four pigs and they're writing one two four five on them and i can't find number three anywhere <laughs> I'm, I'm searching the entire state of utah for pig number three that Bryson allegedly yeah. has uh yeah I, I i don't doubt that he had a lot of pigs i don't know that he had the most pigs in the country but there's no way to know no. we'll never yeah. know there's it's just gonna have yeah. to it's just we'll it's just a mystery it. probably will be forever. Um, <laughs> um, also if you're a pig farmer like if your family raises pigs and your kid plays d1 football um it should be your goal to own more than twelve thousand pigs like if yeah. you're if you're hovering around eleven thousand pigs go buy two thousand pigs just to stick it to those the, that Barnes family in Utah, and you have thirteen thousand yeah. pigs, and now, uh, you know the media narrative is wrong, and, and all of this. <laughs> That's what you need to be doing if you are on the on the borderline of having twelve thousand pigs. Yeah, um, that would be that'd be great. Yeah, guy, guy at Wyoming going on a crusade because he had twelve hundred. He had he had twelve thousand and one pigs. It's like what? You, guys, you completely they're forgetting about the the the, the, the forgotten man in Wyoming with his 12,001 yeah. pigs um brings brings the uh, college football media apparatus yeah. to its knees because uh. of just <laughs> false reporting it's just something totally unnecessary <laughs> yeah that's awesome. but like why even say it just say hey 12,000 pigs that's a lot that's a lot <laughs> like, you can't why, possibly why know that that's to, the most there's no just, yeah there's no way it was an inordinate um, number of pigs that's a lot of pigs <laughs> yeah it's it's more than most people and that's that's enough like, yeah oh man and yeah. you're playing like oregon like you're it's not a, like most oregon fans are going to be impressed by 12,000 pigs you yeah. don't need to rub it in like, yeah just say 12,000 pigs <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah you don't need to yeah you don't need to qualify that's the most like oh yeah i, I would have <laughs> i think if you're yeah if you're an oregon fan watching that's the most pigs that anyone has ever had that's that's, yeah. that's, that's the largest that's 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 more pigs than than there are some like towns around that he grew up have people that's a lot of pigs <laughs> that's yeah yeah maybe that's why i mean they were playing oregon so they knew they could like lie about yeah. it it's like they, yeah. they will never fact check us if it was like washington state you know somebody would be like hey, <laughs> hey. hold up Hey, wait a second. Um, and, and it's uh, funny because like they didn't need to say that. Like if they would have just said, "Hey, twelve thousand pigs," no one would have ever talked about that graphic again. Yeah. I promise you, we are not the only ones to like bring this up again. No. Because I like I got on Twitter immediately and I was like, "Okay, we all saw it. Then. Yeah, like come uh, on. we all saw it. We're all talking about it." Yeah, um, the NCAA yeah, record was, for most that pigs. Was awesome. Right? That's, <laughs> yeah. good. That's such a good graphic. What a cool job. Hang to the have. banner. Hang the banner now. <laughs> NCAA record for uh, most pigs. Somebody over that's there awesome. at Fox is having a really good time. They're just just having a fun day at work. Um, yeah. All right. That's uh, I believe that's all for the football news. Yeah, that um, does it. Surely there will be more uh, that releases yeah. one minute before we record the next podcast. But until then, let's yeah, move on yeah. to some basketball talk. Um, we have several games here to work through from both the men's and women's sides. Uh, where do you, Parker, want to go first with this? Oh my goodness. Um, let's, do you want to get women's out of the way and then we can talk men's? Yeah. It's probably the best way to describe it is getting it yeah. out of the way. Um, yeah, we yeah, can do that. And I don't, I don't mean to, you know, 
I mean, I said what I meant, but like, yeah, folks, it's a nine game losing streak. There's only, you kind of got to get it out of the way. Uh, it's not, yeah, there's, there's yeah. not a ton, there's not a ton of good to talk about with the women's team. Um, it is, no. as I, as no, I said, nine, now a nine game losing streak. They have opened conference play. Oh, and four. Uh, obviously we, I, I believe we talked about the loss to UNLV. If we didn't, it was not, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Um, yeah. but since yep. then they lost twice at home, in a uh, a close one, uh, kind of a comeback effort against Wyoming, and then a less close one against San Jose State, uh, and then tonight, just right before we hit record, they fell just short at New Mexico, seventy one to sixty seven. It's I mean at this point, like I can only so many times I, I, I only say so many times that I'm encouraged by their performance in a loss because they just don't ever win the game. Um, yeah, they will, they will be yeah. encouraging and then they will lose. Uh, and they, it doesn't really seem to matter what they do within the game. It gets down to the last two minutes and then they lose. And this was another one of those. Um, just, there's, there's just not a whole lot. There's just not a whole lot of positive to, to say about it. No, no, there's, there's not, um, and and again, between Cheyenne Stubbs is good. I mean, we knew that, uh, yeah, but I mean, she's Stubbs really good. Is very good. I, I I like these three freshmen that we have. I'll, we'll talk about them in a minute, but um, yeah, I mean the the four conference losses. We'll kind of focus on that. I can't remember if we've talked about the UNLV game. If we hadn't, yeah, you, didn't you said much. it. There's not much to say, but I mean, you look at these four games uh, in conference. They're they're just inventing new ways to lose. They just they just can't can't let themselves win. UNLV is not close. That was not supposed to be close. UNLV is a very, very good team. They're awesome. Um, they're, they're so, so, so good. <laughs> they're on, they, they're very good. I'm, I'm really hoping that they can make some noise this March because they, they deserve it. They're a very good team. Uh-huh. Um, Wyoming is also a, a really good team and you played them really tight. And this was, this was, um, Wyoming was a weird one. So after after the San Jose State game, I talked to Coach Art about about what's been going on with Cheyenne Stubbs, and she was apparently pretty sick for that Wyoming game. She only scored four points. She tried to kind of power through it. Yeah. Um, Stubbs only gets four points. One of her kind of a rare off night for her. Um, she was sick in the San Jose State game, but didn't seem to to bother her as much. Um, but you have Macy Smith go off. She led the team with nine. That's 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 fine. That's kind of what you're wanting from her. Uh, I thought you had, you know, your three freshmen in Lauren Crocker, Gracie Johnson, and Allie Weta play play really well. That's what I was asking her about after that Wyoming game, and it, I mean, that's that's that that's what you're talking about, Patrick. When you say like an encouraging loss, like your your star player is sick, she scores four points, and you lose to the Wyoming Cowgirls, a really good team by six points. Um, that and, you know that was an encouraging game, and then you turn around and you play San Jose State not a particularly good team and you just i mean the score it's 69 to 54 and it felt worse than that um you just weren't competitive to to start the game i mean you got behind in the first never came back new mexico i thought was a better team i mean better than san jose for sure and you played them tight with you know cheyenne Stubbs being being presumably healthy she scored 25 game high um i, I just don't know what to make of this team man they're just They've they've played outside of UNLV. I think Wyoming and New Mexico, the two better teams, played them very tight. And New Mexico on the road just were just couldn't couldn't get anything going. It's it's a weird weird team. Um, it's it's tough. And you know nine games now losing streak. 
um, they're just in a tough spot, man. It's there's not much more to say than that. It's they're in a tough spot. Yeah, they're in a tough spot, and it's it's not those those encouraging <clears throat> losses don't really make it any better because it, it's it's as we've talked about before, almost more frustrating when you do that. I, I, I think. Yeah, because you, you know can, what's coming. <laughs> yeah, well, and that you can show, like, I mean, Wyoming and New Mexico are two of the better programs in the conference, and and have been for several years, and are uh, you know right up there at the top of the league again this year. Those are good teams. Those are those are solid yeah. teams. Um, and, and Utah State was was far more competitive in those games than it was against one of the worst teams in the conference again, you know, in San Jose state. And I, I just, that's been an issue that that's just not taking the, nothing is easy, but not taking the easier ones um, has been a problem. And then when they have these games against tougher teams, save for, for, you know, UNLV and in, in, in the conference, they've been, they've been good. They did this against BYU as well, where they were really close down the stretch they led uh, with a minute and a half to play at New Mexico. Uh, again, good team, eleven and five now yeah. on the year. New Mexico, New Mexico, really, really good starting five that they that they have there. Oh my gosh, I've never seen a starting five like. This. Yeah, they're they're just they're so it, it, it. It comes from everywhere. They have scorers, they have rebounders across the board, and Utah State was was right there, and and you know, State's kind of another comeback effort they keep digging themselves into holes and then finding their way out of it in the fourth quarter and and like i said took the lead uh with back-to-back really really nice baskets from uh sammy sugaturaga uh three-pointer and a layup to take a pair of one-point leads um with a minute 38 to play the second one the layup but then they uh they they just don't they just don't figure it out down the stretch they don't find the way to to get that last basket that they need um and you know, I thought the defense was, you know, obviously kind of lacking when you give up, what was it, eight points in the last minute and 17. And, you know, yeah. some of those some of those come from free throws, but some of them don't. Some of them were just open shots that New Mexico hit when it needed to, and Utah State didn't really have the, the answers for that. They're just, you know, it doesn't really, unless they have a significant lead in the fourth quarter, which is not super likely in Mountain West play. It's- they just Rare. they just don't really know how to how to close out games and it's it's been a problem and it remains a problem when it gets down to the last couple minutes they just kind of panic and lose lose their organization and then whoever they're playing takes advantage you know they'll they'll have a crucial turnover they'll throw up a bad shot there were two of those in the last minute, really, of this game. There yeah. was a turnover with yeah. a minute and five to play where New Mexico gets the ball back and, and gets a jumper to make it a four-point game. Uh, there was a Olivia Knapp three that I didn't really have a whole lot of affection for, that shot selection. Didn't think that that was the best shot <laughs> they probably could have gotten there. Um, <laughs> you know, I yeah. know, maybe if it falls, it's a different story, but it didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't super likely to fall. Um, I don't know... Really, I don't know how uh, Cheyenne Stubbs doesn't get the ball on that, you know, specific play. Um, would probably be advisable to get the ball to her at, at that point, yeah. given what we've seen yeah. from her this season. I, I think a, you know, a, a, a significant, legitimate. I I will say a legitimate bright spot in what has been otherwise a really really brutal era of of Utah State women's basketball. Cheyenne Stubbs, one of the true stars, uh, and and something that Utah yeah. State was really kind of lacking 
last year. She's she's excellent. She is uh, she's being asked to do way too much. <laughs> she's being asked yeah. to, to carry yeah, way too heavy a load. She's she's just a tremendous player, though. Uh, she had twenty five points, five boards, four assists, four steals in thirty eight minutes. Um, she's doing everything she can. I, I really have no, I have no complaints at all about Cheyenne Stubb. She's excellent. Um, uh, Suga Chiraga, I thought has, has developed really, really well into the season as well and has emerged as a really nice player for them. Um, she had a good game as well, 11 points, eight boards. And then, like you said, there are, there are freshmen to like here. There are freshmen seeing significant minutes. Lauren Crocker played 12 minutes, didn't put up a ton of stats, but she did have four boards. Um, and then Gracie Johnson, 25 minutes, eight points, nine rebounds, um, five blocks, one steal. That's pretty good. It would be nice That's to see. Would like, really it would be nice to see her play twenty five minutes a little bit more often. I think that that would be oh, worth right. looking into at, yeah. at this point to have just her play in twenty five minutes, um, or even maybe even more than that. Um, but it's just you know they'll come back out and and the next time they have a a seemingly winnable game, they'll lose by 15. It's kind of hard to invest <laughs> at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, that's the frustrating part is like, they do have, uh, they have some talented girls on this team and Cheyenne Stubbs is not just good for a three and 12 team. She's good for, I mean, she would be a starter on maybe mo- most of the Mountain West teams. I mean, I, I hesitate to say all just because of like, like I said, New Mexico's starting five is just an unbelievable unit. I mean, they've, they've started every game. It's the same lineup that they've used. They are a juggernaut. They all do everything um, outside of like that. And probably UNLV she's, she's fighting for a starting spot. Um, she's very, very good. Um, so that's fun. Um, you know, the freshman, I really like Gracie Johnson. She was hurt early in the season. So she's still a little bit, uh, still a little bit raw. Doesn't, uh, you can tell that she hasn't played, um, you know, didn't play a full off season. You can still tell, but she's come a long way. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, Lauren Crocker has started the past two games looking a lot better, getting a lot more time. But, you know, what's <clears throat> so what, I guess, is where it goes. And I, I don't I, I personally don't have that attitude. Like, I, I really enjoy this team um, despite the, the losses, which which are tough. But like. I can understand the the lack of interest. Uh, you know, I go to I go to these games and I'm sitting on press row and I I make up as a single person I make up a significant percentage of the people in the arena. Like it's yeah. it's I, I understand the frustration with this program. We've talked about it um, at length on the show, I think, and we'll probably continue to talk about it. Uh, you're three and twelve, so. I can sit here and tell you how good Cheyenne Stubbs is all, all I want. And I will given the chance I could talk about her for hours. She's very good. Um, but they're, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're three and 12. They've lost nine straight. Uh, they're just in a tough spot. They, they got to figure something out. Yeah. Yep. Would like to see, and this is, you know, you're, you're, uh, fighting uphill here <laughs> at this, <laughs> yeah, at this yeah. point. And it's, it's changes, whatever changes you make are, are, only going to be so impactful, but I, I would really like to see Gracie Johnson in the starting lineup. Um, she is a she's a she's a pretty clear difference maker. Her her size on the inside, her athleticism is something that I think would would benefit this team to have more of and have her on the floor more. And you know, coming back from injury, she's she's been really really good. And I think that she is definitely one of those pieces you can you can kind of start to build around in theory um and uh it's just other than that like 
some point though, you got to start winning the games and it just, they just yeah. can't quite, and they haven't been able to quite figure out how to, how to do that. And, and it's a lot of the same, it's a lot of the same issues that it, that it has been with, you know, turning the ball over way too much and uh, really turning the ball over way too much. is probably an easy, you know, I don't even know if there needs to be a second bullet point. They turn the ball over way too much. It's, it's, they're not getting enough shots on the basket because they're losing the ball consistently they're just not super organized on on that end of the floor yeah yeah it's you can tell they they don't look organized there's there's just something off they got to start they got to start winning games in order to do that they've they've got to figure something out something's gotta something's gotta give yeah yep and there's you know you can only win so many so many isolation ball possessions at some point you got to have a, a plan and, and Utah state just doesn't really seem to have a, a distinct plan for what they're, what they're going for. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard to watch. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's hard to watch. Um, yeah. but, uh, I don't know, maybe they'll get better. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Who knows? I, I sure hope so. Uh, yeah. I, I also, for, for your sake, for my sake, for everybody's sake, I hope <laughs> yeah. that they get better. That would be, that would That'd be, be great. Um, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's let's talk men's basketball. The conversation is going to be very different here. I would say that there oh, is yeah. um, palpable and understandable excitement about the men's basketball team. Um, we can start with Saturday's game, um, which was the the bigger of of the two wins. Um, as Adobe freaks out while I try to. <laughs> load the pdf cool um well i would love to tell you about the stats of the game but adobe has decided that i'm not allowed to do that um i can tell you what i remember from the game because i watched it i was there uh sold yep, out yep. crowd first sellout crowd like fully <laughs> actually listed on the attendance as a sellout um since i believe the 2019 game in uh in march early march against nevada yeah. which was also yeah. of course utah state's last win over a top 15 team uh, 10, 10, 20 or 10 to seven in the regular rather. season. Yeah. In the regular yes. Season. In the regular season. Yes. 10,270 people in attendance for this home game. That is a sellout. That is capacity crowd. Um, yep. and, uh, it was loud. It was really, really loud. It was a fantastic environment. I, I think that that's probably the best place to start before we actually talk about the game. Just complimenting the, 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 the crowd that showed up. Um, it's always good. It's always loud at, at, at Utah State. There's never, I've never been in the spectrum for a game that wasn't at least, you know, loud <laughs> as a baseline. Uh, but, uh, men's game. Yeah, men's, men's game. game. Yes, men's game. Women's game. <laughs> uh, I'll, like, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, women's game. Like you said, you're you're anywhere from five to ten percent of the people that are in the <laughs> arena for a women's game at times. But um, the yeah. the men's game's always, always, always loud, and this was one of the best that I have seen I, I think one of the loudest that i have seen if not the loudest that i have seen in 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 times obviously my experience with the spectrum extends one year beyond this one and there have been plenty of loud games before that but man it, it really kind of it makes your hair stand on end it is really really yeah, it, does. Uh, it is something to behold um and i uh i every, every chance i get I, I love to to experience that one of my favorite environments that i have ever uh, easily my favorite environment for a sporting event that I've ever come across. And this was oh, it's, at, it's incredible. at full force here. I thought that the, it was really honestly like for just, just, you know, seeing the, the way that the, the student section specifically showed up and, and really, you know, filled out the, you know, the, the allotted 
area which is about half of the <laughs> half of the arena which is why yeah, it's so yeah. loud um the way that that filled out even with you know break not being over uh school did not start for utah state until that monday and so you had people coming back early ending their breaks a day early to to get back to logan to you know camp out in a lot of cases outside of the arena the night before <laughs> yeah. um that was i mean that's that's like honestly that's that's moving that is really really yeah. really cool to to have that sort of that kind of pride and and commitment from a from a student base especially um, and I, I said something to this effect on Twitter, but like, I hope that that is, and I don't think it is, I hope that's not lost on, on anybody, how, how rare and, and how just special that is to have, because there are, there are programs with a lot, a lot larger budgets and with a lot more just, you know, financial heft behind them that would kill for a, a level of, of, interest <laughs> level of passion anywhere yeah. near what utah state has it is it is unbelievable what what this this program means to the school to cash valley um and uh it, it is just it's extremely rare it, it is you know there are very very few places in america not in in just the mid-major ranks in the country that can match that um and this was this was it i think at its you know, right up there at its best, it was it was so loud and it, it made such a clear difference in the game. Uh, Utah State winners over number thirteen at the time, Colorado State, seventy-seven to seventy-two. You can yeah. see a, a distinct, even just on the stat yeah. sheet, you can see a difference. Colorado State went four of eleven at the free throw line. This is one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country, and they could not shoot free throws. It was not <laughs> it was not going to happen. Um, yeah, because the the student section. Uh, as a as a a single somehow cohesive unit moving just as a mass of bodies creating like a, a just a a lake <laughs> that you're trying to throw yeah, into with the blue gloves. Uh, oh, yeah. I love the blue gloves. The so blue gloves. Nice. The blue gloves is so cool. I'm so glad that they that they did that. That seems to be coming back. That's such a cool. Oh, it's and, it's and, nasty work, dude. And, it's and, loud and looks cool. It's, uh, man, it's. It's nuts. It, it that is that is absolutely one of my one of my favorites. I, I'm I'm hoping really really hoping that that stays around because that was obviously a thing yeah during the during the Stu Moral years. Um, it is as as cool and as easily identifiable a, a tradition as it is utilitarian. It does make it louder. It does. It, does. it makes yeah. the claps louder. They're not wrong. They are correct. <laughs> it makes clapping louder, and it makes for yeah. just a really cool kind of crazy sound. Um, when they, when they get it going, um, but the, the the crowd was huge. The crowd made such a huge difference for Utah State. You yeah. could see it in the yeah, free throws. You could see it in the the ten zero run that Utah State went on. That kind of uh, rested control of of the game away. It had been really back and forth. Colorado State obviously was up, I think ten points early on in the game, and Utah State started to whittle away, whittle away, despite not playing well at all in the first half. It was not Utah State was nine of thirty two from the field in the first half and went into the break trailing by four against one of the best offenses in the country. Um, and then yeah. in the second half, it just they just kind of felt inevitable. It, it just. It felt like Utah State was wearing them down, wearing them down, dominating the boards, dominating the effort plays, and that it would get that that run that that, that the Aggies had been looking for, and they did. And it came from a whole bunch of people. Um, I, I think that the biggest parts of of that run 
probably were, at least off the top of my head, um, Isaac Johnson's Deeply Stupid 3. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. So incredibly. Yeah, go ahead. When he pulled up on that shot, there was this, there was this old couple behind me. Um, and this old lady goes, what is he doing? <laughs> and I did not get to hear if she followed it up or I did not get to hear if her husband said anything to her because that shot somehow found its way to the bottom uh, of that. It got wild. Yeah. I did not get to hear the follow-up, but all I heard was, what is he doing? And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're not wrong, well, lady. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what he was doing. I was, uh, was so fun. Yeah, I, I went back and I was re-watching just the, the broadcast, and I, I, think it was, uh, <laughs> I think it was Dave Fox made a comment to a similar effect when the shot went up of uh, – Isaac Johnson just throws the ball up there. <laughs> just, yeah. just, just and that he did. Hoping it, for the best. It and found its way into the yeah, room. Yeah, he really did. Crazy. That is a um that that is uh <laughs> that is a ballsy shot. Uh yeah, step it, was. Back. it almost blew the roof off. The yeah, place, it, I mean, it, it sure worked. did. It sure it did. Worked. Yeah, step back three <laughs> over uh center Joel Scott as uh as Danny Sprinkle said after the game he needed Isaac Johnson needed every single bit of that uh that seven foot frame of his he he would not have made that shot if he was six foot eleven <laughs> if he was if he was born an inch shorter that shot gets blocked but he drills it um and uh and Utah State pulls out to a, a little bit more of a comfortable lead but then I, I thought the play that really stood out the the most to me as the the biggest of the game the one that truly kind of shifted the game permanently in in Utah State's favor shifted the momentum and, and Colorado State just never really weathered the the storm of it was on the next possession down where uh, defensively, Isaac Johnson gets a steal. Uh, I will I will say now I'm going to say the same thing when we talk about the Wyoming game. Really, really good three halves of basketball from Isaac Johnson. Uh, really, yeah. really good. He was excellent in the second half of this game, and then he was really good all game against Wyoming. Um, that would be really nice for Utah State to have that consistently because he he had kind of a tough, he had a tough, he had a tough stretch there uh, of a couple games where it just wasn't just shots weren't falling and he was he was struggling with fouls and turnovers and just didn't look fully comfortable. He was really 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 good when they needed him to be. Um gets the steal on the defensive end and then you have a, a crazy offensive possession where uh Josh Udige misses a 3, Darius Brown gets the rebound. Um Isaac Johnson goes up for a dunk, loses the ball before he can get there and then the ball goes about two drops about maybe 2 or 3 inches in the air and uh Josh Udige is there to follow it uh with a uh, a layup through contact draws the foul and then hits the free throw um i i said something again to this effect on on twitter the the building i don't know if you also noticed this the building shook when that when that play that was the loudest play of of the game was that yeah, that, that and one. Yeah, the building was, the building actually the, the physical structure of the building shook when he when he did that it was crazy um and and i think that colorado state you know they 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 rallied back within six a couple times down the stretch. Uh, they were at – it was down to five at one point with 20 seconds left. I don't think Colorado State ever really recovered from no. that from that no. 10-0 run. And I, I can't blame them. If I was playing a basketball game in somebody else's arena and somebody made a play that shook the building, I would probably be a little bit intimidated by that. <laughs> I would probably be a little taken taken aback if that, if yeah, that was – 
I was in an environment like that. And, and I think that that was even against a, a team, you know, a Colorado State team, very, very veteran team, team that has been around the block, guys who have been in big moments, visibly shaken by just the 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 strength of, of Utah State to finish that game. I thought that their resilience, their toughness, their, their, you know, all of the coach speak words, togetherness, all of that was really good. Their defense down the, spe- down the stretch was absolutely spectacular. Uh, really the last, uh, from about the, the 10-ish minute mark to, you know, the, the kind of end of game stretch where teams are, the teams were mostly just kind of trading, trading baskets, trading free throws, Utah State's trying to run out the clock. Um, so about two minutes left. The defense was was locked down. It was so good down the stretch when it needed to be, and the offense took advantage. Yeah, um, yeah I was. Just, I, I, you know, running out of adjectives to, to describe yeah. these guys. Um, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're really good. They're really, really, really good, and I, they're not – they're not good for year one. They're not good oh, for yeah, like no. a rebuilt, no a totally <clears throat> rebuilt roster with, you know, the only returning production on the team is, is coming from Landon Brenchley, who, you know, comes into the game when they're up by a lot at the end of the game. Um, yeah. Like that's, that's it. <laughs> and, you know, they're not just, wow, these guys are having a really good season for being a team that was <laughs> created from scratch nine months ago. Um, yeah, from, no, from a dorm room, Yeah, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, from the floor of a dorm room, apparently. Um, <laughs> they are, they're just good. They're just regular good. They're, you don't need to qualify it with, oh, wow, what a, what a great first season Danny Sprinkle is having. Like, no, what a great season Danny Sprinkle is having. <laughs> what a great yeah. season Utah State yeah. is having. What an impressive team that, that, they, have, that they have built. In if it was year one or year twenty, this would be a really, really, really good basketball team that Utah State yeah. has here. Um, yeah. These guys just the the resilience of the team, the physicality in, in a game against a very physical, very big Colorado State team. Utah State just just beat them off the floor when it, when it came down to it. When it came down to crunch time, Utah State stared at a team with you know five or six graduates on you know in its rotation yeah. down and made the plays that it needed to make to win the game held a, a yeah, really really great defense or a really great offense underwater um man it, it was uh it was it was really 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 something to behold and it uh, was i you know I, I really like I, I know that that Colorado State in its last outing lost again at uh, at, at Boise State. I, I yeah. would not I would not read into that too much because watching that game, uh, Colorado State looked uh, I think the best way to just to, to say it is Colorado State looked about how you would expect a team to look if they were like four day or 72 hours earlier uh, hit by some sort of bus. Colorado State looked like it got hit by a bus. They they were well, just they kind of were. Yeah, and, uh, and of course, on the same night, the bus didn't look any worse for wear. I think the bus was fine. Um, <laughs> everybody I know was very worried about Colorado State. Significantly less fine. Did not look especially excited about having to play another basketball game, given what they went through on Saturday. It was really kind yeah. of an ordeal for those guys. And I think that Utah State just I, I would honestly I would say even the opposite of being like you know, uh, downgrading the, the view of the win in, in your mind of, of Utah State getting this done because Colorado State 
lost its next game. I would take that as a compliment. That Colorado State uh, looked yeah, like a team that just should. wanted to be anywhere else, just wanted to be home and not playing basketball anymore. Utah State made them quit. Utah State took uh, a yeah, top 15 no, team and made them quit. you got to remember, this same thing happened in 2019 with Nevada. They came in, I think they had two regular season games left. Um, we broke those guys. Like you, you yeah. come to the spectrum and you leave a broken team sometimes. Like that is that is just the sheer yeah power of that building. It's a when it gets rocking and when it's yeah. filled up, it will destroy you. <laughs> yeah, it because is a- Nevada was a top fifteen team there in the Sweet Sixteen the year before. Uh, they basically had hopes of doing the same thing, and they come to the spectrum at the wrong time, and they left with their tail between their legs not to play basketball again, basically. And yeah. so it's going to like that. It's not surprising. And, and Utah State should take some pride in that. Like you make these guys not want to play basketball again. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredible what the spectrum can do to people. It, 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 just, it just destroys them. It, it see, I mean, it, I, I've not, I've not played a game as an opposing team in the spectrum, but I can, oh, boy, I can, what I hate to, yeah, bro. I wouldn't want to, I'm glad that I haven't, no. um, but I can just yeah. from, from looking at it, it sure doesn't look like a very fun way to spend an evening. It looks, it looks truly <laughs> oh, and utterly no. miserable. It looks, it looks like looks maybe, agonizing. it looks like maybe one of the worst things that can happen to a person. <laughs> not, yeah. It is not, oh, can you imagine not like, good. just airballing a shot uh, in like the first few minutes of a game? Your life would just be – it would be miserable for the rest of the night, maybe the yeah. rest of the week. Like it, yeah. it just rattles you to your bones. Oh, um, it's, it's a beautiful place. The spectrum is incredible. On, on that note, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a story. I got to tell you, um, I overheard a lot of things, I guess, this night. I, I, yes. I got to stop doing that in public, I guess. But uh-huh. I was walking out to my car, and there was his family walking out. Um, little kid, maybe around five, and he was kind of asking his dad, you know, he's still putting it together, like what is Utah State? Like is it a – like it's a school, like what, like putting things together. So he's asking, like, so are those guys like paid as much as like the jazz players? And the dad was like explaining to him, like, no, but you know they can they can make a little bit of money on the side and they get school for free, but they they're not paid the same as as your favorite jazz player, you know, little tyke. You know, it doesn't worry, it's different. So the kid was thinking about. It. He's like, wait, so students don't get college for free. Like it's not free. And the dad like kind of laughs. He's like, no, they, oh, they pay a lot of money to go to yeah. school. It's really, really expensive to go to college. Uh, and the kid hesitates for a second. just kind of thinks, and he's like, well, I can tell it's worth it. Cause they're having the time of their life. <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was like the cutest thing yeah. ever. And I was like, you know what kid you're right. Yeah. Like, as he was saying that there's a small army of students jumping up and down on the floor of the spectrum after beating a ranked team, top 15 team, like they are having the time of their life. And there's, there's a team full of guys going home that are not. And that's, that's just what the spectrum can do, man. Like it really is like, it's the time of your life. and It's awesome. It, yeah. It's, it's a magical play. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It, it, it's really, really, it's really special. It's awesome. And I, I don't, I, I don't think anybody is taking it for granted, but I would really I advise against I, it. I don't think so. Um, yeah. It's uh, I, I, I always love to see the, the, the kids seeing like their first game in the, in the oh, spectrum. Oh man, it's, it's um, wonderful. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah, the court storming, we didn't mention the court storming. That was awesome. That was, uh, I, I think honestly, yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I, I think it. I have, I think I've only been in, in person for a single court storming before that 
Um, and I was not obviously on the floor for, for that one. That was the first time I was mm-hmm. on the floor for a court storming. The, uh, the, the, the event staff did a very good job of keeping it sectioned off to a certain, <laughs> just a certain amount yeah, of they the did, court, they did a great job. um, which was, uh, which was nice. Um, but that was really cool. Obviously a really cool moment. Yeah. And then, you got some great shots at that. By well, the way. thank, thank you. I, I did my best. I had, uh, I had no, I, I was flying blind. I had no idea. What I was doing. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've yeah. never, uh, shot anything quite like that before. Um, it was cool, but uh, the uh, the the only other thing that I have on on this game, and then we'll talk briefly about the game that followed it, um, was and I, I led my I led my cover story of the of the game with this kind of anecdote, which is the kind of thing that you really only get from being on the floor, which is why I like to be on the floor taking pictures during games because you see just people of note reacting to things you see coaches reacting to things you see people who you would know reacting to things um and just uh in in no no big surprise not a big upset here as the uh, as the game is ending and as the the fans are flooding onto the floor um who's there standing in the corner right next to the entrance to the locker room but one jerry bovey with a big old smile plastered on his face <laughs> big yeah. ear to ear grin um enjoying his uh, a little bit of handiwork there with the the hiring process that uh, that, yeah. that led them to Danny Sprinkle, a well deserved smile I will say for for yeah. Jerry Bovey. Somewhere um, somewhere deep deep in his mind uh, was the fact that the school is going to have to fork up an insane <laughs> amount of money in fines for that. Um, but in that moment, yeah. I can't imagine he cared much. No, um, he he's a true Aggie man. I I'm man. We could do a we could do a whole show on just kind of the administrative. Uh, state of, of of the school and, and maybe that's something we have to do at some point but um the fact that they kept that guy as as the number two is mm-hmm. wonderful he's he's a he's a true aggie for yeah. sure i'm sure he was having uh, it probably took a lot of self-restraint not to <laughs> to get in there and jump yeah. around a little bit yeah um He's awesome. He's a good dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, really uh, happy for him. Happy for the guys. Happy for the yep. the staff. I, I think that that was, uh, you know, that that's that's a that's a cool moment. That's a really really cool moment and uh, uh, well deserved. They with with their play, they absolutely earned that that win. They were so impressive. Um, and then coming back out on uh, on Tuesday, like I said, only only seventy two hours after that uh that Colorado State game tipped off Utah State plays its first game in several years as a ranked team an AP top 25 team checking in at number 20 um and uh needs about a half to get its footing back under it needs about a half to to come back down from the <laughs> from the game that was on Saturday and still led at the end of the first half but um, needs about a half to get going and then, uh, pretty carefully and, and comfortably and, and, uh, decisively dispatches, uh, Wyoming with an 83 <laughs> yeah. to 59 victory. Uh, I would, I would guess that that was a, uh, a pretty quick and pretty blunt conversation in the locker room <laughs> as they go into the break up only 35, 33, having some trouble defensively, just looking a little bit you know, like a team that just played a really, really emotional, really big game on Saturday. And then they came out of the halftime break and they had every answer for anything that Wyoming could even really think about doing on the basketball court. Wyoming had nothing. Wyoming had absolutely no, nothing not, in, in the second not half. Not one thing. Utah State just came out and put the game away and never, never really had a, a second thought about it. There was a big run. Uh, near the beginning, I think actually at the beginning of the second half where, yeah, it goes from 35-33 
to 46-33 in the span of less than four minutes, largely by way of the um, always very good Darius Brown and Great Osabar connection. They just they just kept finding each other and they kept forcing turnovers and then turning it into easy buckets at the other end. Um, not a not a ton of like actual stuff to say about this game there you know it was an 83 to 59 win it was a blowout um, yeah but yeah. uh you know a, a really resounding another really solid performance great Osabar was excellent um no i have no more worries about him in the in the mountain west he's fine <laughs> oh no i think he's, yeah, fine. he's fine i think he's gonna, he's gonna do i think he's gonna be just fine <laughs> i don't think it's gonna I'm be concerned huge. about everybody that has to play against him yeah he's think, gonna be fine i think he's gonna be just fine he had 20 points eight <laughs> rebounds three assists another game with no turnovers two steals uh, he was he was plus twenty four in thirty minutes, and they pretty much just didn't need him down the last five or ten minutes just, of the game. Just unreal. Um, he's uh, he's a uh, he's a load. He's a he's a tough guy to handle. Um, yeah. I, no. Again, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole team is. Again, I'm team. glad that I don't have to guard him. I'm glad that he's not my problem. That oh. would not be that would oh, not be yeah. a fun matchup. Um, uh, Isaac yeah. Johnson again I'd lose played. some sleep over that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Isaac Johnson again plays well. Ten points, three boards, three assists. Um, Darius Brown, big, big, big game from him. Only 29 minutes. That's all he needed because he had 13 points, 11 assists, uh, with only one turnover, two steals, and two rebounds. Um, that's that's a pretty good day at the office. Uh, Mason Foslev, I'm surprised he only had nine points. It felt like he had more than that, but I, yeah, I, I, I guess the the posterized dunk over um, <laughs> <laughs> over poor Mason Walters only counts for two points, even if it felt like it counted yeah. for quite a few more points than that. Yeah. Uh, just an all around really solid performance from from Utah State, getting the job done against a team that they should beat, and and not really. Not really having any issue in the process. They, you know, they got going when they needed to, and they never really looked back from it. Yeah, well, that that sums it up. I was watching that game. It was close until it wasn't. Uh, it was close at the half, and, and Utah State came out and decided they were done playing. Um, and I was, you know, that that game, uh, the weather prevented me from getting getting up there, so I unfortunately was yeah. was relegated to my couch watching. You and me uh, both. I was talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it gets that way sometimes, but I was like, I I kept like, you know, I was getting into it. Uh, I was like, tell my wife to come watch. And she's like, like, I don't, okay. Like I'll come watch. I'm like, look at this. Like, look at what they're doing. And she's like, well, are, are they not supposed to beat Wyoming? And I'm like, no, they, they are like Utah state is, is supposed to win this game, but it's not that they're winning. It's how, like, look at what they're doing. Like actually uh-huh. watch. And like that, that kind of just sums it up, man. Like you, they are just winning games. They're so pretty. They yeah. play such a fun game of basketball. It's, um, it's just it's awesome, and they're they're annihilating teams. I mean, Wyoming. It's a that's a blowout win that was close at halftime, and they just decided they're, you know, they've done that multiple times this year where they yeah. just decide, all right, it was it was fun, but we gotta <laughs> we gotta hit the road, <laughs> we gotta wrap this up and yeah. get out of here. Yeah, like it's it's a crazy ability that they've they've developed. It's it's very fun. They're good. They're, they're so good. They're so well coached. They're I I I think oh it is goodness. it is not usually this noticeable right just in basketball it's not really you can see it on like a game-to-game basis but you don't usually see it this clearly they're so 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 well coached and so well prepared for everybody that they play um the like nico medved is a good coach yeah he's a good coach and and, and and like danny sprinkle is (laughs) like galaxy brain compared to to nico medved yeah it's 
It's unbelievable. Yeah, Nico Medved is is a, a really, really, really good basketball coach. I like left, him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He left the he left the spectrum kind of. <laughs> you know, just sort of looking himself in the mirror, like, "Oh, <laughs> what just what just happened? What just happened to me yeah. there? I kind of I kind of ran out of ideas. That's never happened before." Um, yeah, no, yeah. he we had him rethinking his career. He's like, yeah, I, I've never I've never had that. Yeah, like just, almost like a writer's block for, yeah. for coaching. He's like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm sitting here with a blank clipboard and yeah. a sharp, like a dry erase marker in my hand, and I I can't put them together i don't yeah. know what to do yeah i can't fix it's this I, I don't have it's the beautiful. i don't have the tools at my disposal to fix this i'm just i'm just stuck with it i just to, i just have to do this um yeah and, yeah and jeff linder had kind of the same experience with uh with wyoming here yeah. um just yeah just really really solid um and and you see the the coaching and you see it in in the development of some of the younger guys as well Mason Falslev has been just so, so, so good in conference play. He hit a, a little bit of a snag at the end of, of the non-conference slate where I think defenses had adjusted pretty well to his just, you know, fly into the basket. Um, and he's not doing that anymore. He has just completely stopped doing that unless the defense gives him a clear lane to the basket. He has just seemingly from you know the 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 week off and and change decided that now he is also in addition to being really fast and really really strong and really good at finishing he's also very patient and he is just willing to stop and wait and wait for the shot to come open in the paint and if it doesn't come open he'll pass out of it um he is playing so much older you know experience wise he's he's older than most redshirt freshmen but he's playing so much more experienced than he is he's played 16 games and he does not look at all like a guy who's played 16 games he looks so so good Isaac Johnson coming along you can see the trust building for, with the staff and in, in his ability on on both ends of the floor and you can see the confidence that that gives him um and then you know guys like Khalifa Sacco coming along uh Carson Templin coming along I thought Josh Adugia has played really well these last couple games Javon Jackson seeing significant minutes um, they are just, it, it is a, it is a bear of a coaching staff. The, the job that they have done with, with not only building this team of bringing the guys in to build this team, but then of coaching them up into what they are right now. It's a really, really, really good basketball team. They are, they are extremely yeah. strong, extremely capable and, and tremendously dangerous in the, in the mountain West. Um, man, they, they are, I, I had pretty, you know, I had I had a pretty optimistic view of what this team, you know, I thought they could be. Um, I think I was probably on the on the more optimistic side relative, given the circumstances. And I I did not, I certainly didn't think they were going to be fifteen and one with a fourteen game winning streak that leads the nation in active winning streaks, um, and a three and zero record in Mountain West play and a top twenty ranking. I, I'll, I'll you know hand up there. I'm patting the chest. That's yeah. my bad. Yep, I didn't my think bad. They, I didn't think they were going to be fifteen and one through sixteen games. I uh, I did not see that one coming. I am about as optimistic an Aggie fan as you can find, and I it's it's surpassing my fifteen. Yeah, fifteen even, and even one. My strongest <laughs> optimistic expectations. I mean. 15 and 1. What the hell? Like, Where did this come 15 from? 15 and 1. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, oh my gosh. 15 and 1. People, I hope people are enjoying this. This is unbelievable. I mean, Utah State basketball is a wagon. Like yeah. it, it, it predates Sprinkle. It will live long after he's gone. Um, but this is special. I mean, yeah. even 
even when compared to some of the success that we've had in the past few decades and 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 beyond this year is unbelievable this year is special this yeah. is this is serious stuff this team has juice um yeah the, yeah get they, on get on board dude like 15 and 1 this is unreal <laughs> yeah they, so they are cool. they have they have reached the the territory the rarefied air with that where they are really only joined in like Utah State's entire history it's a pretty rich basketball history um yeah. by like you know some of the easily identifiable best teams to ever play at Utah State. That's yeah. That's the company that they are keeping right now. With this, we're, we're with to this the start. point where we are. We've we've stopped talking. We're like two weeks beyond talking about Ryan Odom and Craig Smith. Yeah, we're we're past that. Like those comparisons, like those were cute to start. Yeah. Um, we're beyond that. Like it would be an injustice to this team to compare them to the Craig Smith and Ryan Odom era. And yeah. like, that's not an insult. I'm not being a bitter, um, you know, I'm not being bitter that they left. Yeah. They're 15 they, and those one were great teams. <laughs> this is just a 15 and one team. This yeah. is, this is so, so good. This yeah. is very, very good. Yeah. Yep. And, and I, I will, that's, I, I do actually have a, a, a natural thought on that. Cause you mentioned it. Everybody stop bothering Stephen Ashworth. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, everybody's yeah, I'd fine. I'd you don't need to that. be hunting out Creighton scores and you know laughing at Stephen. It's fine. Everybody's fine. You have you have better things to do with your time yeah. than, than forcing yourself to care about Creighton basketball. Yeah, just like, enjoy. You either care or you don't. It's a it's a fun program and a great conference, but like. Just watch Mountain West hoops. There's plenty yeah. to watch here. Like that's you have the number twenty team in the country. You don't need to be worried about guys who and, aren't on the team anymore. It's fine. <laughs> and by the way, here's <laughs> here's like the the dirty little secret with all of that. We're worse with him on our team. Um, yeah, I agree. It is a good thing that he's gone for both us and for him. Yeah, it would, um, it, let's it, just let's just treat it how it is. I mean, I I don't want to compare him to Ralph Frias, but let's just. Yeah, I mean it's it's a Ralph Frias type move. It, he's gone. It's it, better for him. It's better for us. We're fifteen and one. Who yeah. cares what he's doing? Like, it, it was a it was awesome. yeah it was another one of those adult conversations between two adults. It was not yeah. Like, hey, it, you want to play defense? Not yeah, really. All there right. doesn't Have need the to be. East. Yeah, there doesn't need to be a bunch of of you know uh, just animosity about it. It's yeah. it yeah. everybody is fine. Everybody got what they needed to get, and Utah State is is doing just fine <laughs> yeah, save your animosity for the spectrum we yeah. have some big teams coming to town yeah you know save save your bitterness and your rage and take it out on the poor aztecs when they get to town do that yeah. do that instead yeah. it's not it's not productive it's not worth it. <laughs> they're, they're number 20 in the country i think they're probably fine i don't think it needs to be i don't think it yeah. needs to continue to be like a big a big bugaboo i think they're i think they're probably doing just just all right um yeah yeah that's uh yeah and then i had one other thing that has since slipped my mind i don't know what it was um doesn't matter must not have been that important i think that that is where we will uh i think that's where we will end this one then we have uh, yeah that, we that have, does it uh, have... they're they're on the road <laughs> to uh unlv in new mexico those are the two next games the, yeah. the next home games fresno on the 20th um, I'll just put that plug there. Um, just, just be there. I just yeah. be at the games, man. Like, they're good. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, yeah, go to, go to some women's games too, if you, if you can. I, I understand. Um, I, I'm not gonna get on my soapbox now, but I will at some point. Um, if you're frustrated with this team, the solution isn't to complain on Twitter. The solution is to go to the stadium. That's all I'm gonna say right now. Like, just, just support the teams. Uh, have fun with it. They're, they're fun. So, um, 
but yeah, I mean, if you if you want to watch really, really, really fun basketball, the next the next chance you're going to get is is Fresno on the twentieth. But um, good stuff, I think, all around. Yeah, it's, it's fifteen and one, man. It's fifteen and one. It is uh, so good. It is hard to believe, but here they are. They're fifteen and one, and they are they're damn good. They're really, 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 yeah. really good. Um, yeah. all right. That will, uh, that'll do it for this episode. We have talked on and on about basketball for long enough. Um, we will, uh, we'll be back sooner this, this next time than we were this time. We will be back to yeah. talk more basketball, mm-hmm. probably more football. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will talk to you all then.